Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko, and on today's episode, I sit down with actor, writer, and advocate, Nathan Spiteri. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. And welcome, everyone, to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I am your host, Zach Miko. Guys, we have an absolutely incredible story for you today. Um, I can say with almost complete certainty, I think this is my most important episode I've ever done. Um, but I will give, I want to give everyone as much of a heads up as I possibly can. We discuss incredibly sensitive and uncomfortable topics in this conversation. So if um, it's something that you think that might be upsetting to you, I totally understand if you decide not to listen. However, I think it is beyond important that you do. So I sit down with my good friend, Nathan Spiteri. Nathan Spiteri is an amazing actor. He's an incredible writer. Uh, But most importantly, he is an advocate for uh, people who have been sexually abused, particularly um, people who have been abused as a child. Uh, Nathan was is a survivor of sexual child abuse, um, and he has gone through an incredible journey of self-discovery and self-healing to get to the place he is today, and now he focuses on helping other victims and survivors of abuse. So we are going to talk about very, very tough topics. Um, Nathan's abuse began when he was eight years old. Um, and we're, we're telling the whole story. And one of the things that we think is important to tell it, I was even telling him, you'll hear me say this on the podcast is for so long, we expect, um, those of us who have been lucky enough not to have experienced any abuse, we put the burden on survivors to make us feel comfortable to not talk about it in certain ways or not talk about it at all to make those of us who have not experienced this not feel uncomfortable and that it's time that we need to change that because we need to be there for people who have experienced this, who have gone through um, these horrific ordeals, people who are survivors Um, so me and Nathan sit down to tell his story, but also for me, I talk to him on how to communicate and how to relate with someone who is a survivor of abuse. And I think it's incredibly important. Um, so again, I'm not going to keep, uh, scaring you. It's a wonderful, it's such an incredibly powerful and beautiful story. And I think it's important for everybody to hear. So. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it was an honor to interview my good friend, Nathan Spiteri. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting here with my good friend, uh, actor, writer, and advocate, Nathan Spiteri, everybody. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming here, buddy. Absolutely. It's been, we've talked, it's been way, way too long. I was, I was trying to talk to Laura where I was like, when did I meet Nathan? Because I don't know if I met you through doing Three Bound, the film that we were in together, or if I met you through, you did a film with my wife, Laura, called Paranormal Asylum. And I don't oh, know which that's one. right. Jeez. I don't know which wow. one I like met you through. No, I, don't, I think it was through um, the Three Bound. It had to be, it, yeah, because because I know that came out later, and yeah, I don't know. Were you on the scene when when Paranormal was shot? Not when it was shot, but no, 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 afterwards, no. Or when it but was... afterwards, I, oh, I was there for the release. Is everything? Oh, I think you came over. I think we watched oh, it at the that's house. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> it was one of those because <laughs> I had just started. For those of you who don't know, um, Paranormal Asylum is a. Uh, <laughs> 
It's he's never shaking, to be seen. He's shaking never his head. to be seen. It's one of those films that uh, that was I love so so much, and it came out like around Halloween too, which was perfect. It's um, I guess the story of it was that you and your partner are paranormal investigators. That's right. And my wife Laura played your girlfriend, wife, uh, partner. They were very unclear. We were very yeah. <laughs> it was definitely she was a rom- whatever she wanted to be. She was definitely a romantic <laughs> interest, but we didn't exactly know which what what her role was. Um, and it's it's literally what it sounds like. They go to investigate an old asylum, and uh, Laura gets possessed. That's and right. And there's a lot of random shots. There's a lot of you guys seeing ghosts and stuff, and then one of you turning to the other one being like, did you see that? And then the other one going, nah, never mind. And you're just like, it, the amount of things that were just let go in that it, film. The whole, the whole film should just be let go. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> if anyone could find it, watch it. I love it. <laughs> but you were great in that. But no, yeah, we met um, doing Three Bound, which just had its uh, premiere it's at released. the Soho International Film Festival. That's right. Uh, wonderful, which is very different than Paranormal. It's a wonderful little very, romantic very comedy. And you and I were on that. One of the things that was cool about doing that film was that that was the first film, personally, because um, I'm not a writer or anything, that I've been there from the beginning for. Because our good friend, who's the writer and director and producer, Kate Forsatz, um, she she brought us all in on like the workshop process. Absolutely. Which was fun, because I never did. Because I was with uh, Kate, or I, would, I did two short films with Kate before Paranormal, I mean, yeah. before and The Three Bound. And... Just then, exactly like what you said, just from the very beginning through the the read throughs and the um, it was a tough, long process. But it was. We, we we got it made, or she got it made, and testament to her, it's a great little film, and and you know it it was in Soho Film Festival. No, so exactly, it's not doing too bad. No, it's doing great, and it was fun because it's like. I think you and I both traded characters we were playing like 15 times through the process. <laughs> so it was just like, because I think you and I were like the constants. Eventually when Jason got in, like he w- he became constant as the character Matt. But for a while it was just like was you us. and me rotating through all of the male parts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it was fun because we got to work with our friends. Yeah. We'd all known each other before that. So it was... It was a nice little family environment. Oh, no, definitely. Very was, friendly. And there was no drama or stress or, or egos or, or anything like that. So it was just a great, great film to be part of, a great process. Yeah. No, it was awesome. So as our listeners can hear, you're from Australia. I am from Australia. Uh, where You're from uh, New South Wales? I am from New South Wales, which is a state. I was born in Canberra, which is a capital city. Um, yes. And I, I lived, out. yes. So I, I lived <laughs> just outside of Canberra in New South Wales. Canberra is its own state, the ACT, Australian Capital Territory. Oh, um, okay. So I lived on the border of like New Jersey, New York. Gotcha. Um, so I would go to school in the ACT. I would cross the border to go to school, but then I'd go, my home was back in New South Wales. Oh, okay. So I grew up there. I lived in, in, in Canberra. I then from there moved to Sydney for a few years. And then Sydney here, and I've been here for 12 years now. Now for, geez, man, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on 10 years. New York does that to you. It it's does. fucking weird. It sneaks up on you. It you have really no does. idea how long you've been there until like, you think about it. And you're like, how long have I been in this city? Like, I've, it's, it's nuts. And it's funny because you tell people that, and they're like, oh, wow, you're a New Yorker now. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're a local boy. No, exactly. And no, you're official. You now get mad when you walk behind anyone <laughs> slow anywhere. That is so true. That's the biggest that really thing. really does happen. I can't, like, Laura's from Georgia, and I freak out. Like, especially, <laughs> I remember just one time waiting in line to get a sandwich. We were at Publix, because apparently you go to the grocery store to get your sandwiches in the South. So we were there, and there was... I need to preface this, that no one was in front of us in line. We were the only ones there. (laughs) And it was me, um, Laura, her mother, and her mother's boyfriend. And we ordered three sandwiches between the two of us, and it took 25 minutes. Uh. And I was losing it. And meanwhile, they're, like, joking and having a good time, and I'm just like... I was like, we we clearly have other things to do. This is insane. Oh, my God. So, yeah, congratulations on your New Yorker status where everyone in the world is going to annoy the hell out of you. So when you moved to Sydney, was it uh, for acting as well? 
I moved for acting. I was doing a bit of modeling at the time and I was doing personal were. training. I was, I was a personal trainer. So I was up there as a boxer. I was, I was doing some boxing, personal training. Um, I was doing the acting and the modeling thing before in Canberra and then kind of transitioned into Sydney. Yeah. And then whilst in Sydney, my, my, I guess my acting teacher slash manager would, would, or said to me, Nathan, why don't you go to the States and give it a go? Yeah. You had nothing keeping you here. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, fuck it. I may as well. I might as well just go and see what happens. And I, I feel like that's how everyone makes it to New York is one older person we trust always ends up just being like, Hey, why don't you just leave? Just go. And it's Absolutely. almost like we're all just waiting for the permission yeah. to be like, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just go. It's fine. It's true. And, and I could only come over here on a student visa. Yeah. And obviously the better schools are in New York. Yeah. And and that's where I met Laura at, at HB Studio. That's I did, where we yes. Met. Yeah. I forgot that you guys studied together before you ever did a film. Yeah. Together. So we've known each other. She was one of my oldest friends here. So we've yeah. known each other for, yeah, fuck, 10, 11, 12 years, however Jeez. long it's been now. Yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know. That sounds right. I think she probably moved up here around the same time I did. Yeah. She was here before I was. Yeah. So like we met in New York. Like that's another thing about New York is people meet each other only in the context of New York City. So we... Don't even if they do have an Australian accent, we just think of each other as New Yorkers, and Absolutely. it's weird to picture the person back <laughs> at the other place. Because where are you from? I'm from Connecticut. I'm not boring. I'm, all, I'm, all, <laughs> I'm only like 50 miles. <laughs> no, 60. I think it's like 62 miles to my parents' house. I'm not far away. So you are local. I I mean, not really. Guess the thing is, like, there's a big difference between in like the states where. If you're from a smaller state, like I am, you don't really travel that much. Like, for some reason, you uh, stay. Whereas, like, the bigger states, like in Georgia, I think it's like, like, in Georgia, if you drive for seven hours, you're just on the other end of the state. Like, you're still in the same place. If I drive for seven hours, I cross, like, seven state borders. <laughs> so because of that, like, I don't know. We just, like, stayed very local. Like, yeah. I don't know anyone. There's only two area codes in Connecticut, and I didn't know anyone who had a phone number with the other area code Are growing up. Yeah, we didn't leave like a six town radius. We just <laughs> kind of moved between the areas. I guess Australia is kind of similar because it's the same size country here. Yeah. So, which people drive, don't really. Oh my yeah. God. I, and I, especially the way like everything is on the map, you don't realize how big Australia actually is because all of our world maps are so skewed that exactly. you're like, oh, that's a pretty, you're like, it's like the size of Texas. No, it just eats Texas. Like, And because we're, we're, I think we're about 25 to 30 million people, same size yeah. country. So oh, yeah. I think 5% of our land mass is populated. And oh, it's well, just yeah. all on the, um, on, on the coast. I remember when I went to Sydney, I was like, I have uh, my cousin's husband is from Perth. So I asked someone about that and I was just like, yeah, I mean, like how far is Perth from here? They're like, I don't know, 2000 miles. And I was like, Jesus, it's like it is pretty much the same as going from New York to L.A. is Sydney, Perth. Yeah, exactly. it is a five, six hour flight. It is nuts. And it is a three hour time difference as well. Yeah. So it is pretty much the same thing. Oh, all of our world geography is very screwed up yeah. by the way maps are. Did you like, enjoy Australia? Oh, I loved it. Oh, my God. I loved Australia. I loved that everything. I, again, I only went to Sydney. Mm. Um, everything was so clean, which was the first thing I noticed. I don't know if that's what the way Australians talk about it. <laughs> but like for me as a New Yorker, I was like, everything's clean. Yeah. We, were gonna, New York. we were going to go to the Royal Botanical Gardens and... I was prepared. I was like, oh, we're going to go and we're going to pay admission and go in. And then we just were in it all of a you sudden. You just walk in. Yeah. Just yeah. Walk, it's like Central Park, but it's these beautifully manicured, manscaped, like ultra pristine with like wild flowers from all over the world. It was amazing. And I was like, man. And of course, the New Yorker mind in me, I'm like, they're not monetizing this correctly. <laughs> they should be charging. But no, we don't charge. Like even the beaches, we've got amazing beaches. But we don't, of, yeah. I think if, if we charged for beaches to go to a beach in Australia like they do here, there'd yeah. be riots. Oh, people would just fucking lose well, their shit. Speaking of riots, when I was there, um, they were having the lockout laws, and ah. I know Australia's freaking out about them. But for me, I like as from someone in the states, I'm like these don't sound crazy to me. Like, because it was basically like the lock. Because I did it used to be 24 hours. It used before? to be 24 hours, but okay. now if you're not in a place, I think by about one or 12 o'clock, yeah. or it's like 1:30, you can't come in. Yeah, three o'clock, everyone has to leave. It's because we had such a bad, or we still do have such a bad drinking culture. Whereas I think for Americans, and I'm generalizing, obviously, of course, Americans go out to drink and have a great time. Yeah, Aussies go out to drink, get wasted, 
and fight. No, that's very big. No, that's <laughs> it's absolutely. It's we're we're an English Irish culture. We're the no. same as the English the Irish. You love to just get wasted and fight. And, no, and exactly. And and yeah. so because of that, they've been cracking down yeah. a little bit. So which is which is a good thing, but it's 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 a tough thing too because a lot of these business owners are all going bankrupt now and losing their business because they made so much money in those off hours. Yeah, I mean, I mean especially since they were open twenty four hours, you're taking away. A third of their business exactly. right off the bat. Absolutely. It's rough. Yeah. And it's rough, but it is. But again, for as, as a person in the U.S., we're just like, yeah, they <laughs> bars close. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> New York was a big transition for me of that they didn't close till 4 a.m. Because everywhere else, like when back home, they all closed at like 1230. Really? So. No, that was just normal for us. That was like, great. We stay up until 4. We go out and some places in Australia were till, I think, about 6 o'clock. Jeez. There is a couple in New York that'll go that late, but yeah. it's like similar to the lockout where they'll like at 4, at 4 a.m. they just lock the door, yeah. which they're totally not allowed allowed to do but i guess if the door's locked they're considered closed and they're having a private event and it's like it's yeah. just I'm oh too, drinking cultures i'm too old for that now anyway. and i think it's the same i think because like the u.s has such a big like irish uh culture that's how the bars got later and later and later and then not only that just european culture in general is a little more liberal with booze yep. than yep than america yeah and, and uh, <laughs> we're learning. I feel like Americans are still learning how to drink. It just like 250 years later, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, for the for the center of the world and the superpower of the world, it is still quite conservative here. It's, yeah, it's very conservative here. I know, and and I don't realize it being from like being like again. I'm from Connecticut, and New England in general is pretty liberal. And then New York City is insanely yeah. liberal. Do whatever you want. And I forget. And then I travel to other parts of the country and I'm like, oh man, I forgot. I forgot it's like this. Like we went to, um, recently I was in Atlanta and I love Atlanta. I think it's an amazing city, super diverse, super awesome. But then you take two steps outside and there's Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is literally three um, Confederate generals carved into the side of a mountain. And at uh-huh. night they have laser shows to make like the horses look like they're running. It's like, <laughs> so it's like, man, it gets real weird real quick with you leave. I think that's just like the big thing with New York and like, with, not with New York, with the US. It's like cities versus everyone else. Mm. Like cities are always a bastion for do what you want. Yeah. Like liberal ideals, yeah. express yourself, find your culture, celebrate your own culture, do all this. And then you leave the city centers and it's like, hmm, no, this I've is what we do. Never been to Atlanta. I actually have a friend coming next week from Australia. So I might go and hang out down there. Oh, it's with great. Him for a few days. I love Atlanta and it's becoming such like a film center yeah. in the US. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like Atlanta is going to tempt a lot of New Yorkers and Los Angeles. What about you guys? Seeing that Laura's from there, the baby's on its way. Would you guys ever consider moving back down there? We've considered it. Yeah. 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 I mean, right now, again, my my work is here. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's always just kind of been like an open option. Yeah. Like maybe we will. It's a great city and it's still an affordable city. Yeah. I can we can own a place in Atlanta. I can never own a place in New York. <laughs> Ever. It's in. It, it is, and it's just getting worse, and it's just going to continue to get worse, more and more expensive. I know. It's absolutely crazy. Um, so, let's stop tiptoeing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I never knew, uh, one of the, you know, the main reason I brought you here is because of, um, for one, I love you, and I haven't seen you in a long time. Absolutely, yes. But also because of the work you do with um, survivors of sexual abuse, specifically children, um, as we talked about it earlier. I don't know how to transition into this because it is such a sensitive subject. And I think one of the most important things of the work you're doing is the kind of like trying to cut down these barriers and being open to speak about it because an average person who has not experienced abuse is while they're, while, you know, I'm sympathetic and my heart goes out to you and I want to support you as much as possible, people don't know how to talk about it. No. And they don't know how to approach it. So there's almost like, it's a, part of this and part of the reason I wanted to do this episode with you was to try to break down this stigma of people being open and talking about their experiences. It is, it is still such a taboo subject and, and especially when it comes to men. Yeah, people still absolutely. turn a blind eye to it. They don't want to know about. It. They sweep it under the carpet, and let's just move on to the next thing. So, if you want, just to get this started, just to make it easy for you, because 
you know, as 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 you said, it, it, you don't know how to kind of get into it. Yeah. How about I just tell my story and, and then we can just go. I from would there love that. And, that would be amazing. So I grew up in a small little town in Australia. Um, and when I was eight years old, I was at the local swimming pool um, with my sister and some friends. They left. I was there till the very end. I walked into the change rooms and some guy followed me. And he, he raped me in the, cha- in the change rooms, in the showers. Jesus, man. Um, threatened me with my life and said, if you tell anyone, I'll kill you, kill your family. It wasn't a family member or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in a small town, everyone kind of knows everyone. Yeah. Um, so threatened me with my life. And, and again, because growing up in a small town, he would see me around town or he knew where I was at some certain point in time that he would come and pick me up in his car, take me back to his house. And... I guess the abuse continued. It went on for, you know, at least from eight years old through about 12, 13. So, you know, three, four, 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 five years. Yeah. Um, so it went on for a few years and, and it started very violent and rough and, and turned into more of a, a Stockholm syndrome type relationship where, for those who don't understand, a Stockholm syndrome relationship is where the abused is or starts to have feeling for his abuser. So I started feeling love and feeling feelings for, for this guy through the manipulation, through the grooming, through the lies and, and the stuff he was telling me, saying that he loves me and, and my family hate me. And if I ever tell anyone, they're going to think I'm a liar and they're going to hate me and they're going to throw me in jail and, and blah, blah, blah. So just through the lies and manipulation as an eight-year-old kid, that's all you know, especially yeah. especially back then because we weren't, we didn't have access to the internet. No. We didn't have mobile phones. So we, and we, it, I mean, it was before... America's Most Wanted was, I know you, I don't know if you had that show in Australia. That was a stupid thing. But America's Most Wanted, no, it was before it was so widely publicized yeah. that this was a thing Absolutely. that was happening and to be on the lookout yeah. for. So it went on for a few years and at about 12 years old, he abandoned me or he just kind of disappeared. And I realized, or I just, I, I which we can talk about later, but I was the keynote speaker at the seventh annual child abuse conference yeah. in, in Wisconsin in June. And... One of the, another survivor came up to me and said to me, do you know why he abandoned you and why he just let you go at 12 years old? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. I, I, I don't know. And it's because he said, it's because you reached puberty. Yeah. You started growing up. You started yeah. getting hair on your body. You started, you weren't this young little boy anymore. No, you were turning into a man. I was turning into a man. And Jesus. I'm like, holy fuck me. That's, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And so... 12 years old, I just kind of got abandoned and I was on my own. And at that time, I had kind of pushed my family, my parents, everyone away and, and was just very, I just kept to myself mm-hmm. in my room, didn't hang out with my brothers and sisters and my, my, my parents and my friends. So from about 15 years old, for about 15 years, I would go to gay clubs, cruise lounges, pick up men, go home and did what I did with them. Mm-hmm. And then I would beat them up and bash them and rob them. And that was my that was my fuck you to the world. That was my way of getting my power back and feeling alive and and you know trying to trying to feel something because yeah. for a long time I I never felt anything and and all in all in that while trying to have a relationship with a female yeah um, and then from there whilst in Sydney I. I got introduced to drugs and you know I, I hit the cocaine and acid and speed very hard and then started smoking crack I, I shot heroin um, hmm. and then I you know I got offered this chance to move to New York so I thought yes great I'll move to New York and, and that would be a good chance for me to start again yeah but, but you know what New York's like you move here and, and you know being not from here the only job I could get was as a bartender in an Australian bar and it just it oh yeah it got 10 times worse because the drugs any was, vice you want in the world New York has absolutely. it in, in spades and so much cheaper and easier yeah. and, and so the drugs and, and the, free half the time dr- people just giving you shit so the drugs and the violence and the sex and, and everything just 10 times worse um, to the point of about 5-6 years ago now I I hit rock bottom I mm. just kind of almost killed myself and killed another guy in the process and through that I told my best friend who was done with me and she said Nathan I want nothing to do with you anymore I can't do this with you you're all over the place you're losing your shit you're going to kill yourself so she was kind of I'm done I'm out um, which I think I needed to hear because then we got together 
And I remember it like it was yesterday. We got together in a cafe in the West Village, just just near HP Studio, which is now closed down and it's and it's a laundromat. So we went to this co- we went to this cafe, and I'm sure Laurie's here all the time with us. We went to this cafe, and it was just me and her in the middle of winter, and we we ended up in the, the table in the middle of the cafe, and she said to me, Nathan, I'm done. I can't do this, and I'm like, listen, before you go, I need to tell you something, and I was. I had hit rock bottom. Yeah. I was so skinny and just pale and just like looked like death warmed up. And I just told her everything, like fucking everything and just laid it all out on the table and I was crying and, and just in a bad way. And I remember when we finished, I looked up and literally every single table around, I think I must have been speaking so loud that every single table around us was just staring at us and listening <laughs> so through that she helped me get therapy and i ended up going to therapy then through therapy we did group therapy alcoholics anonymous narcotics anonymous sex anonymous did all that stuff and and it's just kind of snowballed from there where i realized and i've come to terms with what's happened to me and i realized it happened to me for a reason and the reason why it happened to me is to tell my story is to educate the world is to help these help these people who have never been able to come out and tell their story Mm -hmm. um and i had this article came out that i sent to you and in the sydney Sydney morning Morning herald Herald, yes so since that article's come out i've had about over 200 people, probably about two, two, 200 to 250 people have reached out to me saying, you've saved my life. You're the bravest person I know. And, you know, all that type shit. I hate saying all that stuff about myself. Mm. But they've said all that stuff to me saying, you've saved my life. You've given me the courage now to tell my story. You've given me the courage to be able to talk to my wife, my husband, my parents, my brothers and sisters, whoever it is I need to talk to. Um, so I know I'm helping hundreds of people out there. And I've, I've written this screenplay about my life. Mm which is now done, it's, it's with producers and, and it's gaining a lot of attention because of what it is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, I guess just the climate of the world right now with Trump and just with everything that's going on in the world, it is the perfect time for this thing to come out. So um, with producers, with equity investors, moving forward rapidly and, and hopefully, you know, in an ideal world, the rest of this year is all, all um, pre-production, getting everything set. And then we can shoot sometime mid, mid next year and yeah have it all done by the end of 2020 that's that's the goal you know touch wood yeah um but you know i i'm doing this to if i you know the reason why i told my story and i came out about it for the very first time was to if i can stop one person from killing himself if i can stop them from abusing another child if i can do anything like that just one person then my job is done but if i can do it with hundreds and hopefully we can do it with thousands now then I'm doing the right thing here. Jeez, man. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a tough no, story. No, yeah, it, it's a it's. I should have sent you my script. I'll send you my script. Yes, when no, I, I want to. Yeah, please, I, I would love to read it. I'll send I would it to you and Laura. Love to read um, it, and that's and that's what's like. Uh, thank you. I mean, it, it's it's. It's it's hard. It, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. I could. I mean. And that's the thing is, is one of the things that I think is so important for, um, those of us who have been lucky enough not to have gone through this to understand is that we don't, we'll never know. Yeah. And, and we just have to, Jesus brother, <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, it's, I mean, I think for me now, I, uh, one of, one of yeah. the most important things for me now is, is. And one of my big messages that I'm putting out there is educating parents of, of, of young kids. Oh my kids. God, absolutely. Because, you know, my parents are the greatest fucking people in the world, but they just had no idea. And I, I kept it from them and, and kept it a secret. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously now times are so different with the internet and, and social media and, 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 you know, these grown men being able to message these young kids and, and everything online and on Instagram, Facebook, all that type of stuff. So for me, the most important thing now is, 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 having or, or is educating parents and having them educate their kids before anything ever happens and and let them know let the kids know that it's okay to say something you're not going to yeah. get in trouble it's not your fault yeah and that was one of the biggest things i learned in therapy my therapist was you know she was an older woman she's retired now but she was an older woman you know five foot nothing but just a fucking bulldog and she would kick my ass and she would say nathan and one of the biggest things she said to me was 
If you could go back now at this age and talk to your eight-year-old self when it first happened, what would you tell him? And I would arm and ah, and I'm like, I don't fucking know, I don't know. And I would think about it a long time, but then it just come to me, just clicked. And and what I realized was that it wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my fault. And, and, you know, for my whole life, I, I lived a life of self-sabotage. Yeah. Whenever good things happened to me, I would make sure I, I, I fucked them up with a, with a girlfriend or a partner or, or work or getting an acting gig or, or whatever it was because I, I didn't de- deserve it. Yeah. I didn't deserve to be happy. I didn't deserve to have these good things, good things come my way. So once I realized that in therapy, that it wasn't my fault, then it, it, it was such a, a weight off my shoulders, such mm. a huge relief. And, and I think that's the most important thing that parents now can educate their kids on is that let them know that it's not their fault. They're not going to get in trouble. They have support. Whereas, you know, back then and, and even now, people keep it a secret and people keep it to themselves because they think family or friends or whatever are not going to believe or they're going to be judged or looked at in a different way. And, and I think that's the biggest thing these days is that, you know, there are thousands, thousands and thousands of people in the world who have never came out about their story, who have never told their story. And, and they, they keep it with them for the rest of their lives and they, they, they can't love anyone. They can't form relationships. They yeah. can't be true to themselves. They can't just live their lives and they end up killing themselves. Or they, went, they go down the road I, do, I did of, of drugs and alcohol and, and, and sex and violence and they don't have a chance. They don't have a yeah. chance in life. And, and for a long time I lived that way. And, and you know, luckily for me, I, I, I got the help I needed. I had, I had the support the support was always there. Yeah. I just never knew it. And I always thought that it wasn't because of the manipulation and the grooming and, and and being told one thing by my abuser. Um, and, and taking that as gospel, taking that as, yep. All right. This guy's right. And, and my parents hate me and my brothers and sisters hate me and and everything else. So it's, 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 it's been a challenge and, I don't know. I, I, it's funny. People always ask me, do you regret what you did? Do you have regrets? And, I regret what I did. You yeah. know, I wish I didn't hurt these people, ex-partners and the cheating and, and, and you know, beating up these guys and being violent and, and the drugs and sex, but I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. And and as, as fucked up as that might sound, I wouldn't change a thing because it's brought me to where I am today. If I didn't do what I did, if I go, didn't go down the road, I did go down and, and hit rock bottom, then I, I I'd probably still be doing it. I'd yeah. still be out there with the drugs and the violence and the sex and I'd be, I'd be dead. I'd be in jail or I'd have AIDS somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I truly believe that because a lot of the sex was unprotected and, and, and I lived in that. I didn't care. I wanted to catch something. I wanted to die. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 5'10". You could be a, a six foot five fucking 400 pound muscle man. You're going to mm-hmm. beat me up right now. Go for it. Cause yeah. what you're going to do to me is nothing on what I've experienced in my life. Yeah. And that's how I lived for a very long time. Um, so yeah, going back to the regrets, I, 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 I regret what I've done yeah. and I wish it didn't happen, but I, I wouldn't change a thing now because of where I am and just through all the advocacy work I'm doing and, and just knowing who I am as a person, yeah. um, I'd, I'd still be, yeah, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't, if I didn't do what I did. No, I mean, there has to be a, it, whatever brings you to your turning point. Yeah. It, it's kind of like. It, it's what happened and it's what it's 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 uh, people bring that all the time it's like do you regret doing this like regret of of you know it's, it's we all regret so many Absolutely. things in my life but it's whatever we did right or wrong all of these choices brought us to this point absolutely and there's no it's such a moot point where they're like do you wish you can go back there i'm sure there's a million <laughs> fuck you more than anyone absolutely, else absolutely i wish, wish there's things you could go back in time but it, like, it's happened it's done and and i can't change it i need to i need to learn and grow from it and, and just live with it and whether it's it's me with the abuse yeah and and doing what i did or it's someone else with cheating on, a, on an exam or whatever yeah you know, the, we, the way we handle things you know i've been through what i've been through you can have a paper cut or you could fucking break your leg and it could be the worst thing in the world for you and you could end up killing yourself or you could end up in a totally you know depressed manic state with the drugs and the violence and so it's all pain and 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 hurt is relevant yeah. No matter what scale of, of, of pain and hurt it is, it's all relevant to this to the person because it's, we're all different. We all handle it differently. Yeah. So no, it's, and, and it's 
our, our every person's realities of life are different, and that's the thing. Because you wonder why people, for example, as you said, something as simple as not getting into the college they want or anything drives them into this manic state of depression and terribleness. But meanwhile, there's you know people in Africa eating eat once a week and walking 50,000 miles for water and yeah. doing all this. And it's just like it, it pain is relevant. And, is. and a lot of the times people like kind of shit on each other for pain. They're like, Oh, you think that's bad? Well, this is what I went through. And I'm like, what you went through is also bad. Like that's the, th- that's especially, and you brought up today's culture and everything like, Suffering is not a contest between other people of who fucking suffered the most. It's, it's, and, and other struggling people aren't your enemy. They're other struggling people that like, it's, I don't know. It's so eye opening. like listening to your story and I knew your story and that's the thing, but it's such, it's so different to hear it directly (laughs) from your friend. Like, yeah. And one thing. I was actually talking to Laura about this before um, you came over. One of my regrets and one of the reasons I I really wanted to have you on was the fact that when this article came out, when your story started kind of coming to light, especially like within our group of friends, I didn't reach out because I didn't know how to. And and it feels, and I've always felt terrible about that (laughs) because it is, it's one of those things that's like, I don't know what I can say, but I regret that. I regret not being, just saying something as simple as, Nathan, I'll never know what you went through, but I'm proud Thank of the you. person no, you are today. Absolutely. And I am. Thank you. And, and I actually, I've had quite a few friends say that, that I didn't know what to say, or I didn't know how to say it, or, or because fuck, also, what do you say? Oh, I would have, not that there's no, people don't realize they think there's always going to be these clear cut signs. And meanwhile, while you were, because I know you before it, you hit rock it, bottom, it, it, we were exactly, friends. That's exactly. the thing. It yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't like this is a thing that happened and now this is Nathan. Like when you and I were hanging out, this was happening. Yeah. And I had no idea. No, no one did. And it's, it's such a, it's such a thing that like you start of, I don't know. It, it just, you know, on the surface and, 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 we're hanging out with you guys. It was all yeah. fun and games. But then, you know, as soon as I go home or it's behind closed doors, the demons would come out. And, and that's kind of why I, I stopped drinking because I, the more I drink and, and then the more, the more I'm, I'm thinking about these things and the more I want to go back and do these things and the more I want to, yeah. the drugs and the violence. And it's, it's still there. It's always there. It's never oh, going to no, go no, away. No, of course. And that's, a, that's another thing that people always say, just fucking get over it. It was, you know, it's happened. It was in the past. <laughs> but you, you, Yes, you can move forward, and I'm moving forward, but it's always going to be there. It's there's always no, in my head. It's there's always... no getting over it. There is learning how to cope in different ways. There's no getting over, and people no. don't, people don't experience that because they say about the littlest things. They're like, "Oh, if you're so upset, why don't you just get over that?" I'm like <laughs> because it's the person's experience. Exactly. And you're ex- us as humans are just like a, a body full of collective experiences that made us who we are. Absolutely. And telling someone to get over anything, no matter how big or how small, it's just kind of like, no, yeah, that's not, people don't just forget. No. Especially when they've suffered, hor- suffered horrific abuse. That's not something that people just get over. You learn and you grow from it and, and, you know, I still have my dark days. I still have my demons and my depression and, and, and go through all that stuff and, and that shit's never going to go away. Yeah. But all I can do is know what I need to do for myself to cope with it. Totally. I have my vices. I, I know what I need to do. I, I, I go the, When I'm in a bad state, I always go to the gym and I do a workout or I'll go for a run or I, I'll go to the bag and I'll, I'll, I'll just do some boxing. And, yeah. and that kind of helps me get out of it. That's, my, that's what I need. Or I, you know, I'm a bit of a loner. I spend a lot of time on my own, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something that I, I do for myself. I need to get out there more and hang out with people more. And, um, you know, I, I like going to the movies on my own or just, just doing something to, just to, to get away from those demons. And, and yeah. it's, 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 it, and it's, it's always the uneducated ones or the, the, yeah, the uneducated ones who, who were like, get over it, just fucking move on. Yeah. It was in the past. That was fucking 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a tough thing, and and you know, I I I speak from the heart, and I just say it how it was or how it is, and 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 that was one of the things I learned at the um at the conference 
at yeah. this in, in Wisconsin, which was in June. Um, I was a keynote speaker there and it was the first time I ever got up and spoke publicly. And, you know, I don't know, 150, 200 people. So it was a bit daunting. And I, I got up and I, I had this, I had, you know, all my notes down and, and, and the speaker said, Nathan, just speak from the heart. Just, just fucking say it how it was. Yeah. And I got up there and, and I started speaking. I was very nervous in the beginning and then I was speaking and then, you know, making a few little jokes here and there. Cause I didn't want to keep it all fucking heavy and, and, and hard yeah. and, and then the first fuck fell out and there was a bit of a laugh and things really kind of just calmed down. It was easy. And, and, and the best part about it was at the very end, I had three people come up to me and they all said together, Nathan, that was fucking amazing. That were their words. Yeah. That was fucking amazing. And, and then the, the guys who put the event on said it was, it, it was, oh, they said I was, I was amazing because I just, I, I just said it how it was. I yeah. didn't sugarcoat around, you know, I tiptoe around the subject and I no, said, and, this and, is it. And I was raped and it was fucking this and that and that. And, and that's so important. Like that, that's the, the way you tell your story, which is a very raw way, like version of saying it, I think is the way people need yeah. to hear it. And like, that's because we do, we tiptoe around whether it be child abuse or domestic violence or anything. And we tiptoe around it so much because it's such a taboo subject. Absolutely. And it's almost like we put this expectation on the victim, the person who was abused to make the listener feel comfortable, which is not okay because it's not our job to feel comfortable. Our job is to support you support the victim, support the person who was abused, the person who went through this. The fact that the way we talk about um, like domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse is that the person has to like the person who is the the victim has to make us feel comfortable is fucking nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely like it's it's scary. And that's that's kind of my script. My script is very raw. It's very yeah. real. It's 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 very dark. It's 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 just it's how it happened. It's yeah. just very fucking real. And and. You know, I've given it to two producers and I'm not saying it because it's my script, but they came back to me and said, Nathan, this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. Hmm. Um, I had a, a an agent from WME come to a reading that I had and he said, you will definitely get this made no matter if it's, you know, whether it's through us or it's through an, yeah, another organization or other people, this is definitely going to happen. So I'm really proud of the script and where it's at at the moment and it's, it's in a great fucking place. Yeah. Um, it's tight and, and I've been working on it for five, six years. I had a writing mentor and, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's ready to go. Um, yeah. so I'll, I'll send it to you when I get home tonight. I, I, I cannot wait. Yeah. It's one of those, like, did you find it was like part of your therapy to be able to tell this? Absolutely. It was very therapeutic and cathartic yeah. and, and that's how it all started. Cause my therapist back in the day, I was before coming out and, and, and being in a good place where I am now, he would say, I, I wasn't able to talk about it and say anything. So he would say, Nathan, just write it down. Yeah. Just write all your, you know, all these different instances down, everything you did with the man, with the rapist, with the girlfriends, with the drugs. Yeah. Um, so I would just write paragraphs and paragraphs down and, and, and then I'd go and see my therapist the next week and we'd talk about it. And... I think just through that, through help with my therapist and then speaking to my very close friends who knew about it at that time, said, Nathan, you need to write this. You need to, yeah. you need to do something with this story because it's an amazing fucking story and, and you're going to help so many people. So just through that, I just started, you know, kind of putting all the paragraphs together, all these, you know, different little chapters together and, and I'd never really written anything. So I, I, I did a screenwriting course and I, mm -hmm. I then got a, um, a writing mentor and she kind of helped me piece it together and, and get it to where it needs to be and, and just draft after draft after rewrite after rewrite. It's now finally in a good place. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, very raw, independent. It's very character driven. I don't, we don't want a lot of money to get it made. We're, you know, we're asking 1.5 to 2 million, which is a lot of money for us. No, but it sounds in, like it, but in the, in the in film, film world, is it's a it, teeny budget. Absolutely. It's such a fun, yeah. That's so, the whole thing with, with, with film people are like, well, oh, you had all this money. Like that's nothing. Exactly. So, you know, we're, we're meeting with equity investors now and, and 
it's, it's hard because you know what this industry is like oh, Mo- yeah. modeling and acting they're like yes I'd love to help you and yes send it to me and oh, yes everyone, I'm on board and I'm your fucking everyone says yes I'm your number one man and then I, I, I send it to them I say alright great let's do it and they're like oh just just give me a couple of months or come back and see me and yeah so it's, it is very frustrating and hard but that's just the industry and I think with no matter what you do, whether it is our industry or whatever, as long as you pursue and you keep pushing and driving yeah. and, and keep going forward with it, it is, you know, eventually things are going to come. I think also one thing that must be like a factor for a lot of these producers and whatnot is that to the average person, it seems like a dangerous subject. Absolutely. Like all of these studios are just like, this is an amazing story. We like, they all know it needs to be told. They all know it's important, but they're like, fuck, if we get this, this is, wrong, like this is, this is exactly this, it. Cause it's a, it's rough. It's a fucking rough thing just because it is, it affects so many people and it affects so many people that we would like, that is like, it's hidden. Yeah. You would never know. Like when I was talking earlier, where I was saying I had no idea this was going on with you when we were hanging out. And that's a common thing with um, like victims of abuse and survivors of abuse is the fact that most people don't know. You do. You just hold you it together. To me, you always seem like the guy that had everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, he's so good looking and he's so talented and he's so nice and the ladies love them. Nathan's got it fucking made. Absolutely. All the time, we having no idea what our fellow human beings have gone through, are going through. We what's all have going a past, and, and exactly. it's so funny because all my best friends in Australia, before they even knew, they're like, "You've got the best fucking life. You live New York, in New York. You're, yeah. you know, you're sleeping with all these girls, and, and you know, drugs and party, and you just got the best life and acting." And I fucking hated my life. Yeah, I hated my life always. And it's uh, I, I spoke with a friend about this the other day. And I, I still truly believe this, that I, I truly believe that, I don't know if that's the right word to say, but I don't think I've ever been truly happy yet. I don't think I've felt true happiness in my life yet. And yeah. I, I really hope I do. And, and it's the same thing with love. I don't think I've felt true love in my life. And yeah. a lot of my past relationships have suffered. And I am really sorry for, for what I did to these girls because they wanted to give me the world, but I just, I wasn't ready. I couldn't give yeah. it back to them. And, no. I, and I hurt them and I hurt a lot of people and, and it's... You know, that, that's one thing that sits heavily with me is, is the fact that I did hurt these people and I, I yeah. could have done things and I knew consciously what I was doing was wrong, but I... I but you hadn't, you hadn't healed yet. No. That's the thing. I'm, I'm a huge believer in, like, people ask me about love advice all the time because I do an advice column and I'm happily married and all this. And I always tell everyone, I'm just like, you need, you, you have to be ready. If you are... Dealing with stuff personally, no matter what it is, no matter yeah. how big or how small, you're not ready. You're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to give yourself to another person. You're not going to be able to accept another person when you constantly have this wall up of not liking yourself. And and it could be something as small as having insecurities physically, or it could be something of being a survivor yeah. and, and not never having processed it. And that's one big thing. If you can't make yourself happy, there's no way you can make anyone else happy. If you're not happy with yourself, yeah. you fucking... And it's so frustrating because that's like what our grandparents have told us from like, since we were five years old, the, the older I get, most of the advice, like the cliche advice, is like the correct thing. Absolutely. And everyone's like, well, you're never going to love everyone until you love yourself. And I'm like, no, it's fucking, it's exactly true. It's the it's, simple things. It it's, really is. The simple, small things. Life but. in general is so much simpler than we think. Life is big and complex and weird, but when it comes down to it, it's very it's simple. very fucking And people simple. hate that. Yeah. People think that there's like these tips and tricks. It's like, no, you have to do the work to find who you are and, and, I, and, and bring yeah. yourself to a healthy and positive place before you're like ready to ready to give a healthy and positive life to another person absolutely and i'm still not perfect and no one is but i still you know i'm still trying to find myself and i will be for the rest of my life i think i'm still trying to make myself happy and 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 get into a good place because like i said earlier i still have my bad days and my dark days and i still do the wrong thing and i still fuck up because i'm i'm just i'm still learning who i am you know i was an eight-year-old boy who who had to grow up and who never had a childhood, so to speak. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. And now, you know, 
the more the more self discovery I do, and the more therapy, and the more I learn about myself, it's the more I'm I'm. It's this child in me who's growing up. Yeah. It's this child in me who's starting to come out. And well, you were robbed of that. You were robbed of growing up. Exactly. As a child, you were like literally, your childhood was taken from taken you. away from me. Yeah. And like, while, while everyone else is getting to play and be innocent and not think of anything, so you're going through horrific abuse. I mean. Yeah, and I was yeah, I would sit in my in my room and play with my cars, and 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 it's funny. My my script is called Toys Toy Cars. Yeah, um, and you'll realize it when you read it. But I used to play with my cars, and and this guy gave me a car, a little toy car. So I would take it home and play with this car, and just kind of push the other cars to the side because yeah. the other cars are, are what my parents or my friends or whoever gave to me. But this toy car is what this man gave me, and and he was the only one who loved me, and he was my he was my. He was he was my man, whereas Jesus. the others I just I didn't care for. So it's 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 all very relevant, and it, it's yeah I don't know. It's just man. It's still you know it's still a tough thing, and I'm still growing up, and I'm still learning, and I'm still discovering who I am, and and, and making mistakes, and and doing the wrong thing, and and it's it's a learning process. And you know I hope one day I can find love and I can feel love. And I, you know, just like you guys, I want to have a family. I want to be in love. I want to get married. I want to do all that stuff. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it will, man. <laughs> no, it will. You're, 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 you're doing all the work that needs to be done just for yourself. But that's the thing is, is, is it's for you and and that's the most important thing to remember yeah. is that you it, this is for you this is this is to heal this is to learn this is i i don't i couldn't imagine going through it i couldn't imagine but it's and i think that's important for people to know is like you can't imagine and that's been my biggest like epiphany like i, I really started thinking more and more about it in you know these most recent years with the me too movement not realizing how many of my close friends have been through such trauma absolutely like and it's and i had no idea i had no idea had gone through this gen like had had gone through these horrific assaults and abuse and it's so common have it's, you i guess now being in the modeling world have you seen it or have you has it affected you in any way or has someone kind of tried to people have been inappropriate with me um but nothing nothing to a level nothing. where i'm 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 i wasn't able to handle myself yeah. i had one photographer in particular that i worked with who was very pushy and kind of abusive and was like really pushing for more risque like underwear shots and this is before I'd even post shirtless, so I was very uncomfortable. And like, I did the shots. I've never seen them, which is an uh, even weirder thing. And I'm like, where are these? I don't know. So I've I've dealt with weird situations that were extremely unprofessional and yeah. extremely not okay, and might have tiptoed up to um, like indecency, but never compared to what other people have, have gone through. Especially yeah. especially the women in the modeling industry, the shit they have gone I'm through. Sure. With these piece of shit <laughs> there's some wonderful amazing creative people in the fashion and the modeling world but there's some full-on abusers who who are, are awful especially and in the entertainment and the acting world i mean especially with like the harvey weinstein thing the amount of female friends who are actors or models i've had that have been solicited at the you know just at the very least have been solicited for some sort of a sexual favor for a role or an opportunity or an audition is fucking staggering. I'm sure. It's like most, like like no exaggeration, like more than 50% of the women I know have had at least one experience where someone has, where a person of power um, in the modeling or acting world has solicited at least something from them. And I'm it's, sure it's it's in every every facet of the world. Every oh, it is. Finance and just if you have a normal nine to five office job, you've got the boss or the guy or, or female. It's who, everywhere. And the only way it stops is to do what you're doing and talk about you gotta it. Talk and about say it. that it happens. You need to we stop have the conversation. To stop, we have to stop coddling people like me who feel who felt weird and awkward hearing all this stuff because it's not about fucking me it's not about you know i'm using me as an example but also i fucking did it so it's like yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like we 
We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. So people are suffering because of it. And it's so dangerous. And the only way is to do what you're doing and tell tell stories. Tell exactly. every story. Say this happened. But not only that, it's important to call out anything you see. Everyone's like, oh, this is the PC culture. Everyone's too sensitive. I'm like, no, no, absolutely. I, I, I get so mad when people talk about the PC culture. I'm like... People are this PCness is people tired of getting abused and finally feeling the courage to stick up for themselves. I think it's in a, some way. I think it's a culture where people are allowed to come out and talk, exactly. say what they want to say, and, for so and long. feel what the way. And and I think that's one thing that Trump has done because of the shit and the stuff that he says and comes out with and the nonsense. He has given people a voice to now come out and say, you know what? No, fuck you. This is how it is, and you're a racist or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. That people are. It's like a voicing there. It's a complete like anti-reaction to it him. It kind of where is. He's he for many reasons is the breaking point in our country, and it there have been some good things that have come of it. People who are tired and not not sitting back anymore and speaking out and trying to help people yeah. that has been an extreme reaction. Yeah, but then. We've sadly seen the other half of the Absolutely. reaction where people dig even harder into shutting down and not talking about it and doing yep. all this and all these people are exaggerating like, can we really believe these women? It's like, what? Yep. This exactly. is fucking nuts. Yeah. This is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, especially in the late thing when they're like, oh, well, you, you know, we can't talk about it because this could ruin a man's <laughs> career. And you're like, a man's career? What about the woman's life? He's and, fucking, and... you know, he's he's been accused of raping 17 people. What exactly. are you talking about? It's, 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 it's just, it's mind blowing. It's it's fascinating. It's it's just it's because people do want to live. Uh, I think our tendency is to live as with, with blinders on and just try to focus on. And I notice that's a big difference between the two political tribes that are happening right now. Is there's one side who I don't want to worry about anyone else. I only want to worry about my family. I only care what's happening to my immediate family. And I don't want to help anyone else out but my family, and I want to focus on this. And then there's the other side, which has been like, no, we need to, we need to help people. Yeah. We live in a society, exactly. And that's the argument, and that's what it, it always frustrates me because that's what the political argument comes down to. And I'm like, we can dance around, and we can talk about um, trade policy and economic policy and all of this crazy shit and our standing in the world, but it really comes down to one group doesn't want to help people, and one group one does, does. want to help people. Exactly. And it fucking sucks. <laughs> but but and that that's why that's why we're at such a fever pitch right now in like our country's tribalism. But I always tell people I'm like I really feel like this is like the death throes of racism, abuse, intolerance, all of that. I'm hoping that this is the final, that this is Let's like just the so. final thing and we're yeah. moving forward as a society. And then we'll have other problems to deal with in society. But hopefully these generational issues um, get better for some people. Um, real quick before we go, one thing I did want to talk to you about was, um, as you know, like Laura and I are having a child and I'm sure every parent listening wants to is the probably the question they're screaming in their heads is how do I stop this from happening to my child and while there isn't a way to to really stop it because as we know there's we don't know there's no way to there's no surefire method that was one of the questions I was asked at, yeah. at the at the uh, the conference you know are we ever going to be able to stop this I don't think we're ever going to be able to stop this we're never going to stop it you know there are no. always going to be the predators out there and I think, like I said earlier, the best way for parents to stop this is to just to educate their kids. Mm -hmm. Let them know that, hey, if, if you feel uncomfortable around some person or someone touched you in an awkward way or, or you don't like something or about this person, tell us. Yeah. It's not your fault. You're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we, and be, even if parents are, uh, even if other people are like, oh, that kid's acting like a brat, I'm like, the kid's not acting like a brat. You're doing something to make this child uncomfortable. Exactly. And they don't know yeah. how to, how to tell you because they don't have the vocabulary. Exactly. And there were therapists there and, and sex therapists and, and abusive therapists or a therapist who work with abused people. And they said, as part of the conference, because they got up and spoke as well, they said one of the most important things 
is to educate your child about sex. Don't don't hide or don't hide them away from it, so that they do know they are comfortable with their body, and that that so that if someone does try and touch them there, they know it's wrong. Yeah. Don't call it a pee pee or a, or a fucking whatever you want to call it. Call it a penis. Call it a vagina. Call it yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, don't make light of the situation or don't make light of your body. Educate them on their body, what's right and wrong about their body, or yeah. what's right and wrong the good, about people's about, interaction with exactly. Their body. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Um, um, and just educating their children as much as they can, so that if their child is in this situation, they kind of know how to handle it, or they, they know can, what's right or wrong. You can and, get and, it out of it. They know that can, something happened was wrong. Exactly, and they know that by telling them, no matter what this man told you about how he's going to hurt you or your family. Like, I mean, that's just my thing. Like with my daughter as when she's born, I when, when we get to the point where we're having these conversations, I do have to tell her that I'm just like, there is nothing you cannot tell me no matter who tells you, no matter if they tell you they're going to kill you or kill me or anything, they're not going to, I am here. I will do everything to make it stop. And parents need to believe their children. Yeah. Even if that child is a fucking just a little menace just believe him investigate yeah and then work out whether it's because, true or whether it's not what what the situation is but because just, if it didn't happen that's the thing is is we talk about making people feel comfortable in awkwardness you have to investigate every situation absolutely. even if they are making up if they're making it up shit got real awkward for a little while but if they're telling the truth they're they're being abused and, and that's, that's so much worse it's fucking ridiculous absolutely. and i think that's what happened a lot in the past with 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 the church and with priests whereas the you know as much as these priests would and and, and i think just people in general men in general as as much as they were manipulating and grooming these young boys they were manipulating and grooming the parents yeah so Absolutely. parents were, were believing the priest over these young kids because, oh, no, it's a priest. He would never do that to you or yeah. it's a, the teacher or the principal. You just it's one of the reasons it's always, not always, I mean, in your case it wasn't, but for a lot of people it's always so, someone in the family or Absolutely. someone close by because exactly, he said, they're grooming the parents too. Yeah. Be like, I would never do that. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, it's, it's, yeah. it's terrifying. It is. And, but if hopefully by people coming forward like yourself and telling your story, the more stories we hear, the more we know what to look out for, the more we know how to talk to our children, yeah. the more we know, the, the more we know how to support people who have, yeah. been, who are survivors. One thing I have done for those people who are, who aren't able to tell their story or aren't in a, in a right place or their, their environment at home or work or whatever the situation is on my website, it's just www.nathanspateri.com. There's this part of it, um, that's called tell your story. Mm-hmm. So that people can write in and just write everything down. They can do it anonymously. They can do it. They can name their name. The only thing I do say is that they don't obviously name their abuser. Yeah. Um, just for legal reasons. Oh, of course. But I've, I've, it just launched now, and I've had a few people already write in their story, and it's, it's, it's horrendous, and and it's fucking terrible, and and. But they've said to me, I've given them a chance to now just kind of get some healing and get some closure because they're able to tell their story, even though it's not verbally into people, they're able to write it down yeah. and share it with the it's world. It's out there somehow. And yeah. they're now helping other people as well yeah. through just writing their, their story down and having it out there on the website and, and having other people go in there and read it. And hopefully they inspire other people to go in and, and, and write their story down or, or to, to speak to someone about that as well. So... You know, I'm doing all I can to help these people and and to try and save a life. And if I can do that, great. I'm doing yeah. the right thing. It's amazing. You're do, you're doing beyond the right <laughs> thing, Nathan. This is this was this was so amazing and Thank so you. long overdue. Yeah, and, it was. It was. And and just uh, the work you're doing is incredible. Um, everyone, please keep an eye out. Toy cars will come out eventually. They will. They will. <laughs> I have I have no doubt in my mind. No, it's absolutely just will. Now finding the right team. Exactly. It's all about the team. To tell the story. People who know it, who can who can go there and, and exactly. really tell it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that, it, the, this is, I, I think this is the most important episode I've ever done. And this means so much. Thank you. It, it and, means a lot to me. And... I mean, <laughs> this is amazing. Nathan, thank you so much for telling your story. Everyone, please follow Nathan on everything. Nathan Spiteri, yeah. all the stuff. Um, write in if you if you feel the need to write in. And 
I can't wait to read your script, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Love you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Nathan, thank you so much. I I couldn't, uh, I don't have words anymore. I don't have words. And your strength is so humbling to be around. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your story. Um, just so everybody knows, if you are... If you are having a tough time, if you have been a survivor of abuse, if you have anything. I just wanted to give you guys a couple numbers that might help you. Um, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline in the United States is 1-800-273-TALK. That's T-A-L-K. Um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE. Uh, guys, and and if you believe that you um, if you know of some child abuse, the Child Help Hotline is one eight hundred four the letter A child. So that's one eight hundred four A C H I L D. Um, it's incredibly important. Uh, uh, I'm I'm very humbled. I'm very very humbled. Uh, Nathan, I love you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If, if you can relate to this, um, write to Nathan at nathanspateri.com. Share your story just to get it out. I think it's so important. Um, but thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And let's all love each other a little better today. All right. Go do big things. Bye. Bye.